You're listening to Faithless Road, a massive tech gathering podcast for the Spike Roads. Each week, we design new decks for tournament play, and then we put our creations to the test, so we can share our findings on the air, what worked, what needed, and what can be improved for the following weeks. On today's episode, Moran and David join forces in order to look for the last cards of Dominaria United. Almost all the spoilers have been released, but a few left for the next Monday. Can our heroes find the best rules with these cards? Are there something they would be excited about? Or is it doomed to be a forgotten set? Shouldn't you know more about Dominaria tonight? Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, and I am joined by my man south of the border. He is Emmy. He is Mordekaiser on Twitter.com and on the Twitch platform. What is up, my friend? Hey, David. Doing great. Love to, love to be with you tonight. We were forsaken by our God-beloved CEO. Yeah, the Lodestar is not with us. He is in the middle of packing. His house is full of boxes and uh, stress. <laughs> It's weird to talk to Dan Stress because he's always like the most l- just chill man down to earth. I haven't ever even heard Dan screaming, I think. Just having him all stressed out that he was like, Mord, David, take the reins and lead us to the promised land. And here we are, heading for Dominaria United. So we do not yet have the entire spoiler. I believe the final X amount of cards comes out tomorrow, but I believe this is like the classic late drop where there's all just uncommons and commons. Now, typically, there's one uncommon that Watsi doesn't realize is broken. You know, this is where, like, Delver was spoiled and the uh, Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> there's a few, like, famous cards that were just, like, at the end of the spoiler, they obviously didn't realize how good they were. Wait, Deathrite Shaman was considered, like, bulk? Was, like, on the bulk set and part of the set? Yeah, I, I remember it vividly. I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting card. And then, like, as soon as you play it, you're like, Jesus Christ, this card is <laughs> insane. <laughs> this is not interesting. This is busted. Yeah. So we won't, uh, we won't, we'll stipulate that there may yet be, you know, a card or two left that uh, kind of raises some eyebrows. But we have, I believe, most of the rares and mythic rares uh, and most of the uncommons have been printed. So uh, I think Emmy and Dan have done a, uh, you know, yeoman's job to uh, do the first two parts of the set review. We are going to basically finish it today. Uh, the next time you hear from us, we are going to be back with you know, sort of our rough top 10 or or maybe a few uh, stray cards that we don't get to today. We'll start to brew uh, next week, but today it's all about uh, first impressions on the last third of the spoilers. Exactly. By Monday, you will hear us getting those straight last cards, as David said, and our first ideas for brews or how many cards will actually impact the formats and get our beautiful top 10s for Pioneer and Modern. Absolutely. So let's start, as we like to do, at the cheapest point. We have a card that is very similar to Mana Confluence. Actually, before that, just a little oh. tiny bit of housekeeping as we... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I am the one to forget usually, but I had to add a name <laughs> just a second ago, so I had it open. So, first of all, thanks so much to our, to our amazing three new patrons, Peshamit W, White Beard, and Luis. I don't know if it's Louis or Luis, but thanks so much to the three of you. Every single back helps us a lot and helps us keep going, keeps the podcast going. And us, our beautiful group of co-hosts, just spewing random crap into a microphone for two hours every episode. Now, do you think Benjamin W. and Luis 
both also have great beards, but just like great beards beard is so good. They're just they have to go by great beard. Maybe great beard is not actually a patron. It's actually Benjamin W at the start. Then we got the subtitle. Now the great beards, and then we have oh, Louis. I see. Like it's a categorization <laughs> for Louis. Louis is a great beard. Or do you think that this uh, patron is great beard? Like they were really good in the '90s. You know when there was unfortunately a lot more homophobia at being the fake male partner. You know of like lesbian people, like all these guys <laughs> who were very sympathetic to Ellen. Right? They went to like you know red carpet events with her. They were her beard. I don't know if you have that term, but that's an that's an uh, English term for uh, I have someone who's never heard that term, but it fits so perfect. You know when you never hear that term, but it's like yeah, it, it it lines up perfectly with what you're saying. Yeah, so a couple of these actors that were very sympathetic to Ellen, you know, they they were happy, they were very honored to be her beard, you know, at a time when you had to be, you know, unfortunately, you know, the the closet was a kind of a shameful time in American history. So maybe that's what they were. Maybe they were just an excellent. Uh, supporter of their uh, lesbian sisters whoever whoever you are uh we appreciate it very much thank you thank you so much so why did these beautiful people people join our patreon well first and foremost support they are supporting the show they are helping us keep going second they get access to the beautiful discord we have where everything is chaos and everyone is brewing so people are either brewing suggesting or just complaining about bad ideas they had and how they worked out Finally, other fun perks such as merch and the possibility for higher patrons to nominate cards for a monthly project and for every patron to vote in them so we can you can help us decide what to play for a specific month. This month is specific, we are working on research and belief. Alright, yeah. So, let's start at the beginning. And by the beginning I mean the cheapest mana cost. We have a new mana confluence, sort of. So, Thran Portal. Thran Portal enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands, so it's like the fast lands. As it enters the battlefield, choose a basic land type. It is that type in addition to its other types. And then mana abilities of Thran Portal cost an additional one life to activate. So it's similar to Mana Confluence in that it is very good fixing very early in the game at the cost of life. It's worse than uh, Mana Confluence later in the game, uh, but it also does provide a land type, which I think the thought is. For domain decks to be a thing in standard, probably, they kind of seeded this card. Yeah, this is like fixing for the future domain decks that they're expecting. I'm not sure the gate part is relevant at all in the actual format, or in any of the formats like Pioneer, Standard, or Modern, but I think it's mostly a stuff, uh, an extra pump for Commander. Like, making it a gate makes it at least interesting for a lot of Commander decks, even if it flops in standard or such. Yeah, and every once in a blue moon, there will be a 5-0 with the Gates deck. I mean, there's no, like, brewing happening. I mean, the 4-ups the are all just the Gates matter cards, and does it sort of line up with the decks that you play? But it is a deck, right? I think it, I think it's 5-0 in a couple weeks. I haven't seen any 5-0s, but I'm going to trust you and say it seems possible. Like, the cards don't seem terrible. <laughs> it, it has 5-0 for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it just seems clunky. Not bad, just, you know... If you're playing all gates, but getting this many untapped gates might help in the end. Yeah, so I think for Pioneer, this is just worse than Mana Confluence. I don't think there's really going to be a domain deck, per se. And I think Modern has the default domain deck, which is cracking your fetch land on turn one and putting a tap triome into play. Um, so I, I don't know that uh, either format uh, really can do enough with this for the times when it's worse than Mana Confluence, which is already a land you don't want too many of uh, in your opening hand. Also, the fact how this is written makes it so even if you have something like Yami Yaba or Urborg in Modern, you are still gonna, or actually Urborg in Pioneer, you're gonna have to still pay the one life. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. 
because there's no other way to write it because let's say you make this you want this setup for green so if you make this a forest it's like you're already giving it a yummy yama effect so it's always going to have the capability of gate forest tap for a green so that's the only way to actually make it work as they wanted to so there's no way of skipping that pay one life method any mana ability is going to cost you one not just the one provided by itself yeah, I'm interested to see if this actually shows up in standard. They obviously made it tap for a land type to see if they can make the domain thing. Yes. I'm not sure that the payoffs are actually there that I've seen, but uh, you know, I, I don't claim to be an expert on standard. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, see. me neither. But that's exactly what it's aiming for. All right, next card. Combat Research. Previewed in Spanish, which always makes me happy because I can check if it was properly translated where they fail a lot of the time. <laughs> All right, did it, did it pass the test? It did pass the test. This one passed the test. Also, word in Spanish, it's called rebatir, and it makes absolutely no sense, and it sucks. But besides that, one blue mana, combat research, enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, which is a pretty common effect nowadays. And as long as it's legendary, it gets plus one, plus one, and more importantly, word one. Yeah, so if you're enchanting... A legendary creature, this is better than Curious Obsession. It does not have a drawback, and it has an extra bonus. But you're forced to make it a legendary creature to not make it a lot worse than Curious Obsession. You lose the drawback, but the plus one plus one is more than worth it over the drawback. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the, the one, one deck plays Curious Obsession in all Pioneer, right? And it's, you know, it's a bunch of mono-blue flyers. And none of them are legendary. So this is not a card that you'd play unless you wanted a fifth, maybe, version of that effect in the existing deck. And right now, I don't think we have enough legends to be able to go like all in on legends. Because they all have to be cheap as well for this card to be super useful. I, I mean, the only dream is if you go turn one Ragavan and double this on turn two, it's never gonna die. Like, that's the dream scenario. Like, turn one Ragavan, turn two, double combat research. Now I have a 4-3 with ward two. That's throwing me yeah. double cards and double tre and treasures. Like that's a dream. Yeah, it's a beautiful dream. At the same time, like the thing about Ragavan is you don't need to enchant it for it to almost have this on top. <laughs> Look, just because you're right doesn't make the the dream less beautiful. True. So yeah, super super cool card. I could see it eventually. You know, they really are adding uh, legendary almost as like trinket text to a lot of cards. They're printing many more cheap legends. There certainly is a possibility where we'd have enough cheap legends. There's one interesting cheap legend that does have flying that this card is very interesting on. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't think I, this is going to create a new deck. I don't think there's going to be an all-legends deck in Pioneer, although I could be wrong. I, I literally remember someone comparing Legendary to what was cannot be regenerated in old cards. Like, just <laughs> staple this into everything and hope it's more than Trinket decks eventually. Berry, we used to call it. <laughs> yeah, you boomers when I was young bury man. all the creatures. <laughs> And I was yep. like, what the hell is Barry? <laughs> and at first I was just thought this means destroy. And it was like years later, I eventually learned, no, no, this is destroy without regenerate. Like this has actual text. All right, real quick, before we leave the one drops here, Dan said skip, but he's not here, so I'm overruling him. <laughs> I want to highlight Tail Swipe. I think this card is actually going to be quite good. It's one green instant. Choose target creature you control and target creature you don't control. If you cast a spell during your main phase, the creature you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, then those creatures fight each other. I actually agree with you. I think this card is pretty decent. Instant speed fight doesn't tend to cost one. Right. And then it has the upside. So he says he'd prefer Primal Might. Well, 
This is a two mana primal might during your main phase for one mana, so you save a land. Yeah. Of course, you lose the modality, but the instant ability is really interesting to me. I think it makes it a lot better. Like against midrange decks, the fight, the fight spells always get really weak against removal. And being able to do it in response to a removal spell rather than the other way around is pretty huge. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there isn't a lot of mono green beatdown decks left. I think everyone's kind of settled on the like mono green planeswalkers with you know some sometimes random five color planeswalkers because of Oath of Nyssa. Again, I, I get I think people just lock into these lists. I, I don't know that that list is necessarily the best. Uh, I'd like to see some more innovation. This is the kind of card that I think does pay you off for maybe being you know playing Nightpack Ambusher, playing you know some of the more like blue green reactive spells. So uh, yeah, I just effects this cheap are, are interesting and at least worth noting is I guess what I would say. I, I think the biggest problem with this card is not the card itself, it's the lack of a home. Yeah. Going from there, the only other one drop of almost interest is just Runic Shot because it's a one white mana destroy target tapped creature with kicker for one blue that allows it to scry two. And I'm only mentioning because of Roots of Drakes. Just because <laughs> I want to make Dan happy. Besides that, one mana remove target tapped creature might be the cheapest we have ever gotten this effect, but Sorcery Speed is sort of devastating. Yeah, that's, that's tough. So yeah, we can just skip the one drops and go to the two drops. To one what might be the coolest ray wizard we have bird wizard we have seen in a while. And magic players have a fantasy for bird wizards for some reason. Like people always love them. Yeah, I am not sure why that is. <laughs> but they just get excited about them. But this one in particular is seasoned pyromancer at home. So we have Battle Wing Mystic. We're in a blue for a 2-1 flying. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked and the kicker cost is only one red, discard your hand, then draw two cards. So you have a three mana two and flying that allows you to discard your hand and draw two if you want to do so. Yeah, what do you think of this? Uh, the discard effect and draw two cards has been printed before as a two mana instant spell, I think one to red instant. And it saw no play even though people thought it might be worth something. This is kind of interesting as like the top level curve of, again, like a tempo deck. Or a wizard, like an Iset wizard. Yeah. Like, this is am amazing. It's something where you try to curve, like, turn one wizard, turn two, play the wizard lightning, and this is a way to refill your hand. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, just Iset, Iset Drakewak. 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 Iset Drakewak. Just because one mana kicker. Dan is having the time of his life with the one mana kickers. Yeah, I mean, he's got so many uh, color options, he's going to have to try all the uh, various combinations. I think the, the problem for this card on just straight rate in Pioneer is that drawing two or three is so easy to do with other cards. You don't have to play Welkin turns to, to do so. So I think the way to actually make this card work is that you're actually getting advantage of either the Flying Body or the Wizard text. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. If not, you're just playing better stuff to draw your cards. So I don't hate it. I think it just needs to find specific homes. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I think cards like this, you could imagine them finding a home and then they just never do. But I hope it does because it just reminds me of the Warcraft 3 dwarf trading hypogriffs that throw hammers <laughs> because it's exactly that in the art. It's just lacking the dwarf. Right, right. All right, our next two drop is the classic legend for two men. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, Elas Ilkor, Sadistic Pilgrim. So, white-black for a 2-2 death touch. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Whenever another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. So, this is uh, basically, you know, a better version. Well, uh, first of all, it's like, I think the best soul sister in Pioneer. 
Unfortunately, it's a legend. Don't we have so, the one mana soul sister? Non-pioneer. Not real soul sister. The one drop that it also returns from the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this has is a 2-2 death touch that also gives you stuff when oh, yeah. dies. Okay, so okay, I think yeah. it's just... It's not the cheapest version of that effect, if that's if that's what you're saying. Sorry, I thought you meant it was like the best on rate. No, you mean like the best value-wise, like in the yeah, whole yeah. setup. Okay, as a card. Right. Okay, yeah, I agree. Because we've seen that, you know, the random life gain can matter. You know, the, de- the Pioneer format is very aggressive right now. The doming your opponents when creatures die. Uh, if you've got a free sack effect. They aren't very populous. I don't know that this does anything in modern. These effects exist on two mana creatures all over the place. And one mana creatures in some cases. I don't see this in any sort of modern play, sadly. It is a cleric. They have, you know, sacrifice themes, so there's probably, you know, some minor synergies there. I'm guessing this probably isn't quite good enough in uh, in Pioneer. There's also another card where I think we're... Oh, we are talking about, you, about later, which is like the Shadow Lord, the Cleric Lord. Yes. So maybe if we actually want to meme, we can make a cleric deck now. I think we have enough decent clerics that people always forget about but exist. And Dungeons and Dragons had a lot of cleric matter cards that everybody forgot about. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe there's a cleric deck that no one has found yet, but the pieces are there. I'm not saying it's cool, I'm saying it might be fun. Okay, well let's talk about that cleric card right now since we're on the topic. Seems excellent. All right, Shadow Rite Priest. So this is another two-mana cleric. One in a black, human cleric, 2-2. Two, two. Other clerics you control get plus one, plus one. So there's a there's a uh, cycle of two-mana lords. This is the black one. Three black, black, tap it. Sacrifice another cleric. Search your library for a black creature card. Put it into the battlefield, then shuffle. That is a crazy powerful ability. <laughs> Effect is insane. The biggest problem yeah. is playing more clerics than this one. So... If we fix that by playing a cleric deck, we have a lord that if it lives in the long game, just wins you the game. Yeah, and I mean, just a two-mana 2-2 that buffs everything isn't terrible, right? We know on rate that isn't quite good enough, but it does something. And so the fact that it also, uh, in addition to sort of being like a mediocre beatdown card, it also has this, you know, text where you... The deck building costs are very limited, right? You can probably put two crazy black creatures in your deck that this can find at any time. Okay. They don't have to be clerics. (laughs) No, no, it just gets you literally any black creature you want to look for. If only we had decent clerics in modern, we could go find something like Rieselbrand, of course. In, right. What can you get in Pioneer? Like, if you had to say, this is the black creature I'm gonna get. I don't know. They, you have the 5-5 uh, five, five flying creature that when it comes into play, uh, exiles a permanent of your choice, and when it dies, it exiles a permanent of your choice. But that doesn't seem quite worth it. Um... Because ideally, you'd want to also get something that's quite a bit more expensive than five mana. Wait, is this why she already sucks? Oh, there you go. Maybe that's the... <laughs> is this card to blame for she already sucking? I'm going to get so much hate in the Discord again. Because I get hate every time I rant on she already. <laughs> this is why she already sucks. This is it why she already is not an eight drop. It is weird, though. We don't have that many, like, super game-ending demons or something that you can go fetch, so... I mean, it makes sense. They try to really make sure there's not, like, any reanimation or, like, show-and-tell combo in Pioneer with that sort of effect. Yeah. But still, like, a two-mana that survives and you put five mana in and sacrifice another permanent, it seems like you should be able to get a card that functionally wins the game. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe in Modern, I mean, I guess Ethervile lets you, like, flash it in and gives you the opportunity to... No? Anything? Anybody? No, no, <laughs> no. 
I think okay. <laughs> what, what I love is the fact that you can activate an instant speed. Like, you don't have to activate it as a sorcerer. I think that's huge. Yeah. Because you're not playing into board wipes. You're just, like, imagine you just spend your whole turn five doing this and they just go, okay, farewell. Adios. Right. <laughs> but interesting card and might be the linchpin I need to force myself to make a Craig deck and just cry a little bit after I two, yeah. three, five lose in a row. <laughs> Uh, I mean, also cleric. The, the clerics and triggering on dying and stuff is also good with the um, the two mana artifact, and you tap it to and it, and you sacrifice a creature of a certain type and get a creature of the same type. Fire of mana heroes. More. Yeah. Are you talking into making a fire of heroes cleric deck? Is that what you're doing right now? Yeah, I'm talking you into making a fire. This is your fault. There's some pretty decent ones, I think. <laughs> Are there? See, I think the problem was there weren't any good two mana clerics before, so now we have the two mana. Soul Sister that grows, which is a black and a, a, black and a white for a 2 mana 2-2. Two, two. Whenever a cleric enters the battlefield, you gain one life. And whenever you gain life for the first time, it gets a counter. That's yep. a cleric. Then we have the 1 mana 1-1. One, one, and if it's the second spell, it puts a counter. Banisher Priest is a cleric. Okay. Turable removal. I hate you because of this. Now you made me, now you made me look for clerics, and this is your fault. Now I'm gonna spend. Now I'm gonna spend my whole Monday looking for clerics for Monday deck lists. All right, we are gonna move off of clerics then, and we're gonna move to a card that's even harder to build around. Oh yes, which is the new Weatherlight. Weatherlight completed. Two mana legendary artifact vehicle with flying. As long as it has four or more fire resist counters on it, it's a creature in addition to its other types, which means it's a vehicle without a crew ability, but rather it crews itself when it gets enough when it gets enough counters. And how do you get those fire resist counters? Well, whenever a creature dies, you put a counter on it. Then draw a card if it has seven or more fire resist counters, and if not, you scry one. So to make to sum this up a little bit, the first four times a creature dies with this on the board, you scry one, and it becomes a creature. And the three next times, while this is a creature, you also scry, and after that, you start drawing a card whenever a creature dies. Okay, so just to clarify, when a creature you control dies. Okay, sure, yeah. Which is, well, that's a huge, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hugely worse ability. <laughs> of course. So this is really for a sack deck, uh, like automatically for a sack deck, where I think rather than trying to make this a 5-5, you're making use of the fact you're getting free scries and draws consistently. Yeah, so, I mean, are we thinking like the red-black sacrifice deck in Pioneer, where we're, you know, sacking, uh, you know, the Cat Oven thing is happening, the Anvil can be sacking, and uh, the one-man artifact creature it makes each turn. Those decks at least have enough creatures being sacrificed, you could imagine this eventually becoming a creature. Yeah, with the Anvil plus the Cat, you could get in there, because even if it's a creature you control, at least it allows you to sacrifice tokens. Right. My only problem with this is, this was so close. I think if it was instead of scrying, it surveilled one, this would have been so much better. Oh, interesting. Like so, like that teeny, itty, bitty bit of difference, it's huge, because then the first seven times, at least you're trying to fill up your graveyard for your sacrifice decks. Yeah, I unfortunately think this literally probably doesn't have that because surveil is not evergreen, so they'd have to write all that text in. Yeah, yeah I think that's the only reason. And it's a bit sad, but it makes sense. And I don't think this will see play. Like, if it started drawing cards whenever it became a creature, I think it would be a lot better. But the fact you need to scry seven times before you draw your first, and three of those it's exposed as a 5-5. Five five. A 5-5 five five is pretty big, but the fact it can die to any removal spell like a Fatal Push makes it so you're not getting to draw, like, in any percent of the games. 
Yeah, I actually think this card is totally unplayable. I mean, I, I could maybe see like red black or maybe in like modern. Like I think Aspiring Spike has a few sacrifice based decks. Sure, you can play it as a one of, but I, I just think you're going to end up realizing this is a ton of work for not that much, uh, <laughs> not that much reward at the end. Like a five five flying isn't even that good if it only gets to attack on turn like six or seven. I mean, an air elemental could have done more damage by itself. Like it's preposterous. Yeah, I. I can see it, sadly. I, maybe someone will get some results with it, but I don't think it will be because of the card, but rather because the deck was good. Like, this isn't a yeah. terrible card, and it has some good scenarios. It just seems sort of win more. If you're already being able to sacrifice seven creatures, why are you not winning? Right, yeah, exactly. But then we go to a card I absolutely love. I don't yeah, know if it's so good, but I love it. I don't know if, well, it's certainly super powerful. I just don't yeah. know if it has a home. So this is Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief. Uh, Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief, G green, blue, 2-1 flying fairy rogue. Whenever a player casts a spell that targets only a single creature other than Ivy, you may copy that spell. That copy targets Ivy. And a copy of an aura spell becomes a token. So Dan has some notes here, and I think he made some common uh, misreadings that a lot of people had. So let's just clarify a few things. It is a May ability, so people are used to these these cards. You know, we've had Precursor Golem, we've had Z Zadra, we've had a, a Nephilim, if you're as old as I am, um, where you target the creature itself, you target Ivy, and then it, that effect gets copied for all creatures you control or other creatures you control or something. And your opponent can always disrupt it by targeting the card you target right so your instant fails this goes the other way you get to target another creature so you get the copy no matter what and if they have one removal spell they only get to pick which creature they kill and then two it's a may so if they cast a positive effect on their creature you get to copy it if you choose not to copy their removal spell or whatever you won't copy it uh, and then yeah this is only two mana two mana two one flying so it already starts to do this very early in the game and then, unlike all those other effects, which only copied instants and sorceries, this copies auras, that's including... That's the fun part. Including mutate creatures. You, you, um, you can make Ivy a token, and that's really fun. So, if we talked about the um, the uh, combat research, if that card is going to see any play, I could imagine it seeing play in a deck with Ivy, where you put it on another creature, the copy goes on Ivy, and Ivy is a legend, so she becomes a 3-2 ward 1 that's drawing a card every time she hits your opponent. And then if they, you know, tap out to kill Ivy in response to that, you've got a curiosity effect on maybe a non-legendary creature, but you kind of got like a 2-for-1 out of it. So, but that, that's that's really just the tip of the, the iceberg. I don't know, again, if there's a home. I don't know if you need to build like a green-blue, you know, boggle-style deck around this. Um... I do think this beats Red White Heroic by itself, if that deck still exists in Pioneer. I think Liliana the Veil actually is going to be awesome against that deck. So unfortunately, I think Liliana the Veil is going to chase out the the best uh, <laughs> the food that Ivy. I mean, she just give you free wins there, but may maybe she's just good enough on rate if you build like a green blue flash deck or or something like that. I just want to make a bad mutate deck. I really want to make a bad mutate deck. I just don't know if we have enough team mutates. Like, I just think of something like turn a one drop into Ivy into like the two mana mutate creature, the one that allows you to make a like a coiling oracle for like yep. you tap your creature. The uh, two four. Yeah, and you make Ivy a two four flyer that just starts tapping and making value. And it, yeah, and it the sounds good part beautiful. Is if they remove Ivy in response, you still get a two four. Right. So, like, you're always getting value if you get to cast a mutate. Yeah. I think that's the best part. 
So IB, really interesting card. The first time this effect has been both a May and not only standard sorceries, it makes this at least interesting. Yeah, absolutely. This is a card that if you're going to build, you should start with the idea that you're going to build around it. And then if you're not going to build around it, when maybe that deck doesn't exist, you should at least look if you can slot it in a reasonable deck that could just play her on, on just pure rate. All right, next up, Baird, Argivian Recruiter. A lot of two-mana uh, multicolor legendaries. Yes. Tell me about Baird. I think this one might be the most boring of them all so far. Two-mana, two-two, human soldier for a red and a white. So Boros, at the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with power greater than its base power, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token. Is this good? So assuming you have any sort of counters on your creatures, this is immediately a choo-choo that makes a 1-1 one, one on the end step. It is, so, I, I can picture the dream of, like, oh, enter one champion of the parish into turn two this. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty sweet. Also, you know, the Soldier Lord uh, obviously modifies creature's power, so if you play this when the Soldier Lord is in play, it makes another Soldier that the Soldier Lord is buffing. Aspirant is a card that naturally is adding power to creatures in play. Even if they kill the Aspirant, it's probably, like, leaving a plus one, plus one counter on your one drop, so every time Baird comes into play. We've seen a bunch of, like, red-white mid-range lists that are playing Aspirant and Wandering Emperor. Uh, those, those are both cards that leave like plus one, plus one counters behind. So yeah, it's just a really interesting card. It does not ask a lot of you. A two mana two two isn't great. A two mana two two that makes a one one is pretty good. And if it makes two one ones, that's actually like really good. So it's a card your opponent immediately has to kill, right? If it, if it gives you a one one, your opponent has to spend their next turn removing it. That's already above the curve for a two drop, I think. It's, it's above curve. But the fact you only get it on your end step for me is, I think, really weak. Like, basically, like, assuming this arrives two rotations, you get two tokens out of this. And that's assuming a lot. Like, this makes it to the end step of turn three. Yeah, and you had a modified one drop on turn one. You know, I'm, I'm imagining this is probably coming down on turn three if it's going to give you a token the first time. So, yeah, it might not get there. It might just be worth it as, like, a one of in humans because they have so many, you know, Lord Effects and uh, Thali's Lieutenants, etc., uh, plus the enlist one drop. It, it might just be that it's, it's just worth it as a one drop, or excuse me, as a one of, uh, just to fill out their two do drop slot, or maybe it just doesn't. It just doesn't get there. Also, kind of an interesting card in like the like white X Bogles decks that exist in Pioneer, where they kind of want bodies. So if this comes into play and you've already modified your SRAM or something, uh, just like having a bunch of one ones left around to pick up enchantments, uh, that that might be something. So eh, just yeah, it's worth thinking about. <laughs> Flare Husk is a fun way as well. Yeah, although now you're playing Flare Husk. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this falls in a similar place to the Battlewing Mystic in that the card is good as long as you can use its creature types. Because I think you have better two drops, but I don't know if you have better two drops that are humans. Also, it's a soldier and we had a really terrible soldier lord we're not going to talk about. But maybe we, if we look really deep, we find a soldier tribal that doesn't suck. Talia is a soldier, right? Yeah. That's and it makes soldiers. Before we skip the card, I just remember that almost all token producers in this expansion, like the two mana one one raise the alarm, make soldiers. So maybe in standard we actually have a soldier tribal? Yeah, that'd be interesting. A throwback. I don't like that humans was ever like made a meaningful tribe, so <laughs> I'm glad that there's not a human payoff here and that it's actually buffing soldiers. Just a generic human is the most boring thing in the world. Yeah, and they just keep spamming them. Yeah, and of course, there's humans on almost every plane, so they always get random cards that have nothing to do with human trial. They just happen to be powerful humans, so... 
all of a sudden it pops up. Yeah. All right, on to our next card. So this is a card that's sort of Shrievery, I'm going to say. He likes these grindy mid-range cards. This is Phyrexian Missionary. So it's one and a white for a 2-3 lifelink. Phyrexian Human Cleric. So Cleric is worthwhile. We mentioned that. Human is worthwhile. Kicker, one and a black. If it enters a battlefield and it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So two mana 2-3 lifelinks are not actually that common. Uh, in the history of magic and two mana two three lifelinks with only one colored pip are even rarer um and then you have this additional ability where it like is a built-in two for one so in my opinion if roost of drakes is going to be a deck in pioneer i actually think it has to be a super grindy like value deck probably in esper colors and this card actually seems very interesting to me there is a way to stay alive a way to accrue value to buy back a creature with kicker from your graveyard to re-kick uh you know with your rooster drakes in play so I, I don't know if that deck will exist i'm guessing it will be a little too weak but i think this is the kind of card that that deck needs stepping a choo-choo to every single kicker card when you start looking at the one mana removal that's Christ two when you start looking at this grave digger that also works as a creature when you need it like i guess that I, like the mono white humans a two three life linker for two it's actually a really big stone wall Right, exactly. So that versatility is actually pretty interesting. All right, still in the twos, we are moving on to another bird wizard. Uh, more, tell me about Balmore. So this is Adelis, but new. Adelis post fires. Balmore Battle Mage Captain, a blue and a red for a 1-3 flying bird wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, creatures you control get plus one, plus O, and trample until the end of turn. So... Where Adelis needed wizards, this needs anything. And it isn't X2, it's a 1-3, which is a lot better. And also only cost 2, why does it have so many upsides? Yeah, I think this card is really good. Uh, Blue-Red Pioneer Prowess was actually pretty close. Uh, at various points it's actually had pretty good results. Granting Trample to your 1-mana one 1-1 one Prowess creatures and doubling the uh, power that they get from every instant of sorcery is amazing. Um, it also is really good if you're doing like a Jeskai token thing with the, uh, one three that they spoiled earlier, where you can tap two creatures whenever you cast an instant. So that deck wants a bunch of like instant and sorcery token makers. And if you have a bunch of creatures, you don't actually have to cast that many spells to, to if you're giving plus one plus O to like four creatures. It's really good with young pyromancer, which again also works with a bunch of, uh, instants and sorceries. And it's a wizard for wizards lightning, which is relevant only specifically in pioneer, but this, along with Soulscar Mage, is maybe just giving you enough wizard density right there. So plus the but plus the wiz the wizard we talked about a few seconds ago might be like nine and tenth copies you need for consistency. Yeah. So right there, we're talking about a deck that still gets to play right um, Treasure Cruise. You could certainly imagine the deck playing Treasure Cruise, and you're not having to like suffer any card quality. And then you have some of these combo kills, right? Where you cast three or four spells. And all of a sudden you're attacking with like this thing is three or four power flying trample. Your soul scar mage is like eight or nine power trample uh, or whatever. Maybe you've got a young pyromancer with three or four tokens and they're all three or four power. So yeah, I, I think this card is really good. Yeah, I agree. Being a two drop instead of a three drop, I think it's just huge. Like it's a bonkers difference. Because if you go turn one, one, turn one, any one drop into turn two these, turn three, if you play three one mana spells, you're giving your whole board, you're hitting for plus nine. And, right. like, just assuming you play three balls, pl the plus, that's 20 damage exactly. And if you're playing three shocks, that's 17 damage. And you only play two creatures and three spells. Yeah. 
So yeah, anything like that where you are actually like accruing a ton of value, you can win games where you're not casting a lot of spells, that always makes me very interested. Yeah. So I actually quite like this. I'm happy for this one. Not requiring wizard. And it's also giving it trample, not allowing people to jump block, especially this one that's yes. a flyer and most of the creatures blocking it will be one ones. It's not insignificant. Yeah. All right. So that's a winner for sure for me. I think that's going to be... That's going to encourage people to build... There's going to be four or five different variants of the blue-red X deck, and that will be one of them that will still be very good. You're not... It's not a budget version or anything. It's it's a different version yeah. that's also very strong. All right. On to another that. good two-drop. We are talking about Leaf Crown Visionary. This is the Elf Lord. So green-green for a 1-1 one, one Elf Druid. Other elves you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast an elf spell, you may pay green if you do draw a card. So this is card insane. is... Yeah, this seems insane to me. Dan is not that excited about it. I'm really surprised, especially in modern. You have these effects where you can, you know, tap your elves to make mana. You have the I have uh, seen elf that untaps every time you cast a green spell. This, is, this almost gives you like this built-in draw effect, plus it's a lord. So all the elves that you're casting at the end of all this are getting bigger like i remember when real when real walker was like first released people were playing it and actually drawing a lot of cards just imagine instead of being a three drop it's a two drop and it's pumping your team i think this is an amazing card like this can really go off and the fact if you play this on like turn three or four you actually get priority first and this is when you cast you actually get to draw a card like you still get a like you get a two for one immediately if you have enough mana which is really common for elves it's insane yeah, I don't know if this is actually, if there's going to be an elf deck in Pioneer, because they don't actually have that much way to make mana. They don't have any of the crazy, like, elf generators. They don't get to play the three mana elf lord. The yeah, the best one. The asteroid. of Titania. Yeah. But maybe. I mean, it, it just casting Llanowar elf, tapping another green and getting to draw. So turning, like, Llanowar elf into elvish visionary, but in the future gets to tap for mana is just, it's like, you're huge. just flying through your deck. Yeah, yeah. I think... Especially in those games where you're like slowly developing resources, you're just playing through the mana such to not overexpose to a board wipe. And if you play a visionary, your opponent is gonna force to remove it, even if they have a board wipe, because it, you are not gonna notify every single thing they do. All right. So while we're talking about two mana lords, I'm gonna jump ahead here to the Vidalian Hexcatcher. This is the Merfolk Lord, which is one of the best lords I have ever seen. Two mana, one one flash, Merfolk Wizard, one and a blue, so it isn't even double blue. Other Merfolk you control get plus one, plus one, and you get the ability of sacrificing a Merfolk contra target non-creature spell unless its controller plays one. Yeah, so non-creature, non-instant or sorcery is already insane. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's flash means this functions as a sort of counterspell just by itself, even if you, I mean, you don't have to have that many other Merfolk around. As a Hawaii disruption. Yeah. And also, really fun synergy... There's this Merfolk from I don't know where the hell it is, which is a three mana two two. Whenever a spell or an ability counters and no, whenever a spell or an, abil or an ability counters a spell and opponent controls, you get a one one Merfolk token. Oh, that's interesting. So it's a three mana two two that does that, and it also has the ability of top seven Merfolks counter target spell. Okay, yeah, I, I remember this card. So I don't know if that's good. But you also have the... Well, I don't know if it's good, but it's definitely great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you also have the four course catchers, and you can just really go off countering everything your opponent makes. Like, even if you have to use two Merfolks to double force spike something, getting double, get, getting one back, it's just amazing. Yeah, so super cool card. This and Elves and Goblins, right? Those are the three sort of original uh, tribes, I think, if you go back all the way to Alpha. 
you know, soldiers and clerics less so. They were they came out along later, but especially the blue, green, and red ones. Those have been kind of in the contention for some of the best uh, tribes and since the history of magic. So for the 30th anniversary, it's really cool to see a very powerful mer- merfolk lord. You guys talked about the uh, very powerful goblin lord yeah. uh, last week, and I think you and I like the uh, elf lord. Dan thinks it's good, but uh, maybe we think it's great. And the merfolk lord, I think it's sort of amazing, just because it has flash. The flash is that extra bit of TP yeah. that makes it a lot better. Yes. Okay, well, s- rounding out the two drops here, I want to talk about Yoshia Declares War. This is a really interesting card to me, uh, and I think some people in the Discord kind of liked it as well. So People in the Discord text. were a lot higher than I am on this, calling it Artifact Bone Crusher. Yeah, that's interesting. So, one red enchantment saga. Uh, the first chapter, create an O2... Colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying named Ornithopter. So you get to make an Ornithopter, which, as we know, is worth zero mana. Uh, two mana, tap any number of untapped artifacts you control. When you do, Yosha declares war, deals that much damage to target creature or player. Excuse me, creature or planeswalker. And then the third one is up to one target artifact you control becomes a creature with power and toughness 4-4 until end of turn. So in the face of no disruption, you could play an Ornithopter, you could ping a one-drop. And then on turn three, uh, or whatever, on the on the third turn, you could attack with a 4-4 Ornithopter flying. Yeah. I don't love it as much as people do, but people seem to be really high on it. I think it's especially the fact you have the read ahead plus the, two, the second step. Yeah, I, I think we don't under... Well, I won't speak for you. I don't yet understand how powerful read ahead is going to be. My sense is the modality of these cards is actually going to be way better than we think. Uh, so you could imagine, like, playing the um, Epicure on turn one, your opponent plays Llanowar Elf. Now, if I need to kill it, I can play Yoshi Declares War as a, on the second one, tap my um, my blood, kill the Elf. If not, if they, you know, they play a tap Blue-White Lancaster Control, I can actually try to get the full value from the, the Yoshi Declares War. So I think this card is actually going to be better than we think, just because it has a ton of text. It's very cheap. Uh, I do wish that the second ability let you hit your opponent, but maybe they were worried that would be sort of too combo-y or something. You could just get cheese out of the game. I don't know if you'd ever have that many artifacts, but... In fact, I would be so much higher on this, exactly as you guys said, if the second step went face. But it does not, so we'll have to... Uh... We'll have to make do with our two-mana semi-bone crusher giant. It's an interesting card. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just struggling to find it at home. Yeah, I'm going to play it in, in red, black, improvise for sure, and see if I can... Going on with the two drops, because everything is a two drop today. Yes. Impulse, this is a throwback to... I don't know what set it was in, but it came out when I was young, so you know that was a long time ago. Uh, Impulse, one in a blue instant, look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Instant. So what do you think about Modern? Modern has maybe just passed us by. It's two mana to find to replace itself, basically, like a super cycling. It's one of it's the best of its effect, right? We have seen these sort of cards being played everywhere. everywhere. If I'm not mistaken, Lotus is playing Shimmer of Possibilities, which is like straight up, stri- strictly worse impulse. It's both a sorcery and only looks at three. So this can only get better from there. Yeah, I could certainly imagine this being played in some combo decks in Pioneer. Uh, you know, Impulse is better than cards like Opt and Consider if, you know, Opt and Consider are better if your deck is kind of a bunch of the same stuff and you just kind of want to turn through it. Impulse is better if there's specific cards you're looking for, right? Your, your four um, Ascendancies or something like that, the, the key cogs in your deck that really make it go. 
So I could see this definitely making an impact in a few Pioneer combo decks. I don't know if it'll ever get just played on rate. I don't think like blue-black control or blue-white uh, would play a card like this at this point in design. I think the two mana is just a little too clunky. Mm, in modern it is. Also, the flavor text is spot on. <laughs> and that counts for something, right? Yeah. F good flavor text has made me play more cards than it should have. <laughs> yeah, you know, also good art, right? It like kind of sucks you in and you just choose to believe in these cards. If the more you like a card, because the more the more times you read a card, the more you like them. And I just get invoked by the by the by the flavor text. Alright, we are leaving the land of the three drops. We are headed to the land of the We're leaving the land of the two drops. We are headed to the land of the three drops. Alright, talk to me about Shauna Purifying Blade. Another legend, of course. Another legend, because this is Dominaria and it's now trinket text. We have for band a 3-3, so a green, a white, and a blue for a legendary creature human warrior with lifelink. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay X life. If you do, draw X cards, where X can be greater than the amount of life you gain this turn. Well, I've lost streams on a stick, but it has to make it to the end step. Yeah, this card would have been absolutely insane in like 2001 or something. But, Even later, uh, I think 2015, she would have been great. Like before Fatal Push? Right. Fatal Push, Strangle. Uh, this card just dies so easily. You know, your hope is to maybe like hit it with Collected Company on their end of turn. And then, I mean, if you can get a couple cards out of this, this card is insane. But... Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, creature removal uh, has told us that, you know, this is the kind of thing that you can't do anymore. Yeah, I mean, the fact this is both a card, you need to hit of, co of collected company or such, and then you gotta connect with it or have another way to gain life. I, I, would, I actually, I want to love this card, and I can't. Right, I, I, I think this is the classic trap, like, it, it, it invites you, like, you can imagine the times when it doesn't die, and you get to do all this stuff, and, you know... Most of the time it is going to die, though, so it, unfortunately it's not worth doing. But sadly, it just be one of those beautiful legendaries I might brew once, never draw a single card, and get a 3-2 based on the fact Collected Company can be a good card when it hits the good cards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, going forward, I think you want to talk about a certain Peacekeeper, am I right? I do. This is uh, Paolo Vito at home. <laughs> the Paolo Vito she told you. Or... I don't know if this is Paolo Vito at home, actually. And I want to discuss oh, okay. that because I'm not sure if the translation is correct. Okay. So This is not in Spanish. So more doesn't get to... Yeah. So you want to read it? Yeah. Two and a white. Human cleric. Again, cleric. Human. Vigilance. Three, three. So three mana, three, three. Vigilance is, you know, not terrible. As it enters the battlefield, look at an opponent's hand and choose any card name. So it does not have to be a card from their hand. You can choose any card name. Spells your opponent's cast with the chosen name cost two more to cast. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two colorless more to activate unless they're mana abilities. So, okay, I just checked. It's written correctly. This looks at your opponent's hand as it enters the battlefield. This is a meddling mage, nor at an ETB. Your opponent cannot pull this response to a trigger. Oh, yeah. And that's huge. Like yes. your like unlike, unlike um, Pablo Vito Barrosa, where your opponent can just like bolt it for one mana, you cannot kill this before it looks at your hand. This is Correct. and it's not like a trigger; it just gets in the battlefield. And more importantly, your opponent cannot respond to a trigger. If you pile this scene, it happens. 
Okay. Unless, All right. So this is, you're, we're thinking modern then if we're talking about other vial. I, I am not, not particularly, but also Coco, for example. <laughs> I mean, sort of, but, but also like Collected Company in Standard, in Pioneer, for example, or Pyre of Heroes, to be more specific. If okay. your opponent okay. has something that they want to activate, they have to do it in response to the activation because you are not going to get a trigger of this. This is going to be a passive effect the moment this enters the battlefield. Okay, so you're thinking maybe the applications of this are better at times than Elite Spellbinder. I think Spellbinder was better until I realized this is not a trigger. Okay, now you're thinking maybe this is a little better. I think better. now this might be a little better because Palo de Toma Rosa has the huge advantage of even if it dies, your opponent doesn't... It, it still keeps the tags. But this has the huge advantage that it doesn't die as, as efficiently. Like, let's say the only removal your opponent's hand is a light. It's, I don't know, a, a wizard's bolt. Making it cost three and then not being able to kill it is huge. So Okay, I mean, the thing that I don't like about cards like this is they often have to name removal first because yeah. if they don't, then they just cast the cheap removal spell. Whereas Elite Spellbinder, they probably just have to kill it just because it's a three-mana, three-power flyer. And so mm-hmm. its effect gets left around to, you know, tax the Wrath or tax the Planeswalker or whatever that you really wanted to tax anyway. I do think this might be better than Spellbinder in Modern as well, just because you can name stuff like like Belcher, all of a sudden, right? Yeah, I I do like to, to your point. Like, you vial something in on three, like your opponent has to crack their fetch land. If they don't, you just get to get it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and that can be extremely annoying because you can just really out tempo your opponent with a play like that. Like your opponent plays a fetch land, and you just go end step, tap in my vial. And you get to first look at their hand, and if they don't have an efficient removal, you name the fetch land, and none of that before the creature actually enters the battlefield. Yeah, so in paper, just be very clear, right? Make sure your opponent doesn't do anything. You know, there, there was a... Um, I forget the gentleman's name, Big Dan, uh, whatever, but he pretended to not understand how meddling mage work, and then got uh, ultimately suspended. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly like meddling mage. As soon as it resolves, your opponent can't do anything anymore. Or like they don't crack their fetch land. Yeah, exactly. They they don't get to. I I like this, and now I like it a lot more now that I read this. And acid enters. The information game is worth it a lot. After that, another three mana three three. Also a legend. Also a legend, but this one is really up your alley. I do, I do like this card, uh, Maria Scholar of Antiquity. So one a red and a green for a three three elf artificer. Tap an untapped non-token artifact. Very important non-token. Add a green mana to your mana pool. Tap two untapped non-token artifacts you control. Exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So this is a card that is, in its mana generating, worse than Urza, which we know is a very powerful card. Basically, it's created the, the sort of existing blue mono blue or blue X artifact archetype. But this also has the ability to keep looking at the top cards of your library, to keep flipping through them. And if you combine it with a card like Paradox Engine, I'm just as an artifact, where you get to untap all your non-land permanents every time you cast another spell, you could imagine easily tearing through your deck as soon as a Paradox Engine hits play. And I don't know what your win condition would be, but it, it would it ought to be pretty trivial at that point. So, but my thing is, do you think you will be, you see yourself playing this in the close future? I don't play modern, but no, I would no. tr- definitely be playing a teamer artifact deck that just was trying to win with Paradox Engine. Yeah, yeah. I'm 100% going in Pioneer because I really struggle to see. Like, Ursa's 
Shell in modern really gets used to really gets to explore the the tokens a lot of the time, and I think that part is particularly important if you're gonna play Ursa. Yeah, the problem, the reason why I would not want to play this in Pioneer is because I don't have an Urza effect. This is so unique, right? The only thing that's close is Galazeth, and that only lets you use the mana to cast instants or sorceries. Whereas this is the only card that lets you tap your artifacts to actually play more artifacts, and you want a super artifact dense deck with with Paradox Engine. So could you play this like one Paradox Engine and a Karn Wishboard and then just a bunch of other mana and then maybe also just be like a kind of a mediocre Karn deck that has like artifact mana ramp to play your Karn? That's the kind of thing you'd have to look into. And that, of course, suffers because one of the best decks in the format is Mono Green and they're just playing four Karn in their deck. So this is, again, this is a super powerful card. This is like that two mana uh, Fairy Rogue. Like, I don't know if there's a home for this, but... When your opponent plays this, you have to kill it. They're, they've built a deck where this card is going to bring the game to a conclusion in you know a turn or two if it's left alive. Yeah, this is one of those cards. It has to die on ETV. The good advantage of this is how much cheaper than Ursa it is to actually start playing cards off the top of your deck. Sadly, you have to pay for them. But as long as they cost less than three, they are actu- this is actually like a discount on Ursa a lot of the time. Yeah, and if your deck is full of one or zero mana artifacts, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can go a long way through your deck, man. It's- because you just keep hitting, I hit, oh, I hit a one drop, I cast it, now I tap this one drop plus another one, go again, now I tap, now zero drop I get for extra mana, and you start going off. I really like this. Yeah, like, I wonder if you could play this, you know the um, uh, teamer enchantment that lets you play an extra land, and then every time you cast a spell, you draw two cards? Yeah. So like, so now you have like two, now I'm using this term loosely, but you kind of got like a rule of eight where you have two cards that kind of let you turbo with a bunch of free artifacts. Um, so like, cause th- that deck often plays a bunch of cheap, you know, like zero mana artifacts and, uh, hmm. of creation. like Mox Amber and stuff. And so I don't know that, that maybe that's, a, that's a area to explore. Yeah. I like, that. I like that. This has a secondary payoff for which you keep generating mana as you go through your deck. Yeah. Okay, that might be actually like a really interesting build. Also, of course, Dan always mentions Honor Worn Shaku, so we can do crazy stuff. <laughs> because who doesn't like Shaku? And yeah. this is a commander staple for everybody who wants to play Trini's Fear and, and Frozen and Winter Orb and be a complete stacks piece. Howling Mine? Howling Mine, yeah. I mean, do we have Howling Mine in Pioneer? No, we don't. No, right? you have Howling Mine in Modern. You just do Howling Mine turn two. Turn three. This turn three. And go off. Vroom. Yeah. All right. So there's there's something there. Maybe the, the pieces aren't there, but that card is super powerful and it might just be waiting for another card to be printed. Maybe all the pieces exist right now. There's a lot of people that will explore that and we'll have to see what they come up with. Yes, sir. After that, we have Raid's Frightful Return. An enchantment saga for two and a black with Ruida Hair. Beautiful art on this card. So Yeah, spectacular. First step, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, each opponent discards a card. Second step, you return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. Third step, you may sacrifice a non-land, no-token permanent. Sorry, target opponent may sacrifice a non-land, non-token permanent. If they don't, they lose two life and you draw a card. That art is insane. Yeah, so if you don't mind losing the creature, this is like a three mana three for one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that, that does some damage. 
It just seems like such a grindy card. I need a little shout out to LAA11. This is a very prominent brewer in our Discord. They've had a bunch of 5-0s with a bunch of different kind of grindy shells. This seems like the kind of card they'd like that just like, you just imagine casting this. Maybe you're getting it back from the graveyard. Maybe you're blinking it a few times with your Orion. Maybe you're getting your Orion back from your graveyard if it died earlier in the game with the second one. It has all this modality, so there's tons of choices. You can you can loop this card infinitely with Geothermal Kami. You just get to keep doing like one and two over and over again. <laughs> I was talking a lot with the LA11 um, a few days ago because we were working on this Mardu slash um, also Biorion decklist. And I think he will love this card. I don't know if for that shell, but it really seems up his alley. Yeah, like, I was... Dan had this as a skip. I kind of did too. And then I was just like, this is the kind of card I would tend to dismiss. But LA11 has shown that you actually have enough time in the format to do this kind of stuff if you pay the price with the rest of your deck. And then as long as you have, like, a three mana, like, three for one, I mean, that's pretty crazy. It can really go off. And that's really... Could be, like, super powerful. And again, the read-ahead stuff, like, if you really need it to, you can just play this as turn three. Okay, that's not very good, but it triggers Fatal Push if you need it to or something. Like, there's there's just all this crazy modality in these cards, I think. Again, read ahead, we don't know. It's I think it's going to play out better than we think. I think we're, I think it's going to be very impressive that it kind of, like, is exactly what you need at each time. And then if what you need is the first chapter, that's amazing, because then you get to do these two extra chapters almost for Free, quote-unquote. It being non-token, so it's actually efficient unless the, uh, uh, against decks like Ragdoll Sacrifice when they have all their plots and such, it's huge. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of why this might actually be interesting. And we're actually, when we get to a new saga in a following minutes, we're actually going to talk about how amazing it can be with when you can just sacrifice saga on command. Yeah. So. All right. Continuing on through the threes. We have Airtight Scorn. All right, so this is only a Pioneer consideration. Pioneer plays a bunch of three-mana counter spells, and they all have some slight upside. This is more, I think, of like as a sideboard card, almost like a super negate in my mind. Um, so this is one blue-blue counter-target spell, so it's a cancel. That's not very good. But it costs a blue less to cast if an opponent casts two or more spells this turn. So, you know, a lot of times what happens is you bring in your like one negate and three mystic disputes or something in your mid-range deck that has blue in it for these counter wars, right? And your opponent does something, you mystic dispute, they do whatever back. This is basically like a super negate. It gets to counter anything at the end of that. Um, so I could see, at, uh, this is a super corner case, but I could see this maybe as just being like your fourth or fifth counter spell in your sideboard. Because when you get into counter wars, this is like much better than negate. And it also is just a straight up hard counter you know, if your opponent plays, you know, whatever, they're one of creature, then you you at least get to counter with this. In a counter ward, this is straight up counter spell immediately. Also, at first read, I thought it meant it read more than two spells, which made which made it a lot worse. But the fact you only need one previous spell makes this actually quite easy to get your two mana mode on. Okay, so yeah, just a just a counter, excuse me, corner case I wanted to highlight. The next card is an actual good blue card, Haughty Jin. Not not that kind of haughty more. Not that kind of oh. haughty more. What the fuck? What the freak does haughty mean? Like that kind of haughty. Haughty H A U G H T is like a gin that's full of itself. That is uh, uh, arrogant and condescending. Scornfully and condescendingly proud. What a good word. Yeah. There you go. So three mana star four, one for one and double blue for a shin with flying. 
Power is equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard, so Enigma Drake so far, but instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less. Yeah, so this is kind of a, a combination of two different creatures that saw play in the same deck, right? We had a, uh, a three-mana Drake that was the same power and toughness as this, and then that same deck was playing Goblin Electromancer that was a two-mana card that made instant sorcery spells cheaper. So this sort of jams them into one card, makes it monocolored. Uh, I think this card is really good. I, I, I think this is really good. I agree completely. It's a mixture of two, of two effects. And I just had this really bad idea that maybe they see place in something like, I don't know, Modern Storm as two extra copies of Baral slash Golden Electromancer that actually can beat down your opponent if needed. Yeah, so Dan makes a point here, which is we live in the era of go blank, so it's not a reliable as a beatdown card. And I think that's right. You don't want to just add this to an existing blue-red shell. I think you need to reimagine that blue-red shell, where it's not playing that many delve cards, and instead Haughty Jin's power is the only thing that's affected by... The by uh, yeah, exactly. Or flashback cards. Uh, I've got, you, you're actually yeah, not so I'm talking... Me. Exactly. So I, I'm talking about playing a more controlling list, where we get to play Shredder, Crackling Drake, and this, maybe Sprite Dragon. So now we have all these flying creatures. We can play Winged Words. This is a card people might not be aware exists. Two colorless and a blue. Draw two cards. It costs one less if you control a flying creature. This makes it cost one blue. So now we have this card where they're attacking our graveyard. We just get to play this on turn four and cast one blue mana draw two. Um, also, Lofty Denial. Super powerful card, right? With this card in play, it is literally like a super mana leak. It's blue mana. Counter target spell unless they pay four colorless. So now you get the shell of like a very good control shell that goes way over the top of your opponent because you get to play Cracklet and Drake in the late game. You know, as a 10 power creature that draws a card. Uh, Haughty Jin is just a super mana positive card. You play it on turn four with, with Lofty Denial up, which is functionally hard, hard counter at that point. Um, yeah, I, I just think that, we, again, we talked about we can make blue-red prowess uh, a different shell. I think now we've got blue-red control like going way over the top and into the mid and late game and being very resistant to the common plan, right? Oh, I'm just going to bring in my three gold blanks. It's like, okay, my Haughty Jin has zero power. I'm tearing through my deck. Maybe I'm casting Impulse, which is now legal, right? One mana Impulse is insane. So so I, I think you need to reimagine, like, so you get everything that you need out of this card. Maybe it's not a beater. Yeah, okay, your opponent reduces its power to zero. That's like when people would exile your graveyard against your three Tarmogos. You're like, all right, I cast three more spells on my turn. Is it, do I enter combat? <laughs> I, I love this. The fact you just have to deal with this for so many different reasons. Like, even if you control the board, you still have to kill this one. And even if yeah. you're trying to, if you have stacks your opponent out of the game with, like, a rule of silence, not rule of silence, no, like a rule of law, you still have to kill this because it's going to kill you. Yep. Yeah, so it kind of attacks from all angles. Like I said, I think you need to reimagine stuff. This isn't a deck that wants to play a bunch of considers, right? You want to make sure you're getting uh, your Goblin Electromancer effect out of it as well. Yes. All right, This the next card seems like a Mord card, I have to say. Relic of Legends. Tell me about this card. So we have a 3-mana, add 1-mana Fenico Artifact, which taps to add 1-mana color. And has the second ability, tap an untapped legendary creature you control at one mana of any color. So, Honorworn Shaku, but fixed. Because it doesn't let you tap non-creature permanence, but it just fixes your mana so well. Like, you just start going off with Bard Class. This just spawns you in the game. Yeah, another card. You are kind of a Kinnon fan, so I could imagine a Kinnon, the 2-1 Dwarf that taps to make a treasure, this... 
you know, that's your shell of, of three cards that just makes an absolutely insane yeah. amount of mana. Also, fun interaction. Uh, this doesn't work with Kina. The extra ability doesn't, but the, the, the first tap ability does. It's so weird it doesn't. Like, at the first sight it should, but this doesn't count as tapping a non-land permanent for mana. Because it doesn't have the tap ability. Right. That's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so it's kind of wild. You can play this on turn three, then on turn four you play your fourth land, you play the 2-1 dwarf, you tap it, you make a treasure, you make a mana. You play Kinnon, you can tap this for two mana, the treasure for two mana, Kinnon for a mana. So that turn you get to play four mana worth of legends to the board, and then you get you actually go up mana over that exchange. You actually make can make six mana right there. Yes. So it's it's like a crazy ramp spell. I mean, you almost get to activate Kinnon just from that without we were talking about doing nothing on turn one and two. Just without and all that stuff is through removal, right? You get to do all that stuff yes. in response to any removal spell. So there's definitely something there. I don't know what it'll be, <laughs> but uh, there might be something. I think we're gonna try to find out. Also, yeah. I love the fact it says the flavor text. If the worst parts of history can repeat themselves, it's just true. the best parts can as well. And this is clearly collision relic. Yeah, right, exactly. From back in the day, so it's like perfectly set up. So going forward. The next zero. Alright, Legomos, Hand of Hatred. One, a black and a red for another legendary creature. Human Shaman, one, three. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a two-one red elemental creature token with trample and haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the end step. Tap, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Activate only if five or more creatures died this turn. So I think this card is just fine on normal rate. Just a three mana one three that makes a two-one that attacks with trample and haste. And then next turn attacks for three power, especially because if you're thinking about decks with Torbrand, uh, because we do have the red black yeah. um, uh, Painland and, and Pioneer. If you're thinking about decks with Embercleave, the extra body really matters. If you're thinking about decks with Deadly Dispute or uh, Cat Oven or whatever, you're just making an extra piece that you don't mind if it dies. Hmm. Uh, it does trample the two ones, so it actually just goes over. You know, like they can't sacrifice their cat. Let's say if you're playing the the mirror. Uh, you're just smashing in for damage every turn. I don't know that you'll ever get to activate the tap ability. I'm not sure that that'll ever happen. I just, but I, I think this card on rate is actually just pretty good. I just think or it's very worse than it's... cards like Squee or Lichen Warboss, and that's my biggest problem. Like, unless you're looking like 12 copies of that effect, why not play the better ones? Because you're not. Well, getting, I don't think you're not ever getting the tap ability. I don't think this is better than Squee. I agree. I think Squee's very good, but it's better than Legion Warboss. Do not do not play Legion Warboss. Don't bring that in my house. Why? It's got three toughness. Yeah, but... I, I get to stomp Legion Warboss. Get, get that out yeah, of here. Yeah, maybe. But this is worse than Squee, so you're actually going to need like six to eight copies and be playing red. Yeah, I'm black. Yeah. So, it's at least something to keep in mind. I think people just say, oh, you're never going to tap it for five. I agree. So, but maybe you want the fifth Squee. Or your yeah. the legend rule of squee is haunting you, so you want three squee and one of this. That's the reason to play because you have yeah. like five squees and you're attacking with everything. Or it has to jump one once, and eventually, sometime in your life, you actually get to tap it. Yeah, and if you get to tap it, the, I mean that's GG's. Next one we have one of the best three drops we have seen in years, which is Ether Channeler. Might be like the best mana war effect we have ever seen. Chuan a blue for a 3 mana 2 1 creature human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, you create, you have to choose one of three. Draw a card, return another target non land permanent to its owner hand, or create a 1 1 white bird token with flying. This is insane. 
Yeah, this card is very good. So we talked about Cal's Blood Mage. I think I was pretty uh, high on it, and it ended up seeing no play, which was disappointing to me. And uh, we, we briefly talked about this in our uh, group chat today. Uh, Damon was a little more skeptical than I was, uh, sort of pointing out, you know, in the graveyard exiling ability of Cal's Blood Mage is good, then that's great. But I just think these abilities are just so much better on average. And the default of being able to bounce a, a permanent is just so generically useful. I mean, if you're just like bouncing, bouncing like Kiora or something, like you just get something out of it that it, when drawing a card isn't valuable. Against control, it just draws a card, right? So it's always good against in every matchup. And if when um, you need a board, the one with flying is a lot better than the best. And I think, like, for example, I was playing a lot against Spikes, Pansel, Herod a few weeks ago, and that deck always lost to the fact they cannot, for the life of themselves, choose solve a Planeswalker, right? Because if every card in your deck is a 1-1 or a wall, your opponent resolves a bright and 6 or a 5-mana defender or an asset, and you're just softly conceding. Getting a 3-mana 2-1 that can just bounce that, it's so much better than whatever they had. Yeah, so I could I could imagine you getting to I've got a little note here. You get to cut some of your removal slots and you're like cocoa decks or your bounce decks. This is like a card that can be value when you need it to be on an empty board, and then it can be yeah worse removal. Sure, obviously there's you know reflector mage is much better than this card against specifically creatures, but this lets you kind of like cheat on some of those slots where you don't want to play that many of the one white white two two that can only exile you know permanents are four or less because your opponent whatever plays a five drop well this actually helps you here yes i i like it i love this card and i think it will see a lot of play in both pioneer and modern all right our last three drop is vodalian mind singer one blue blue merfolk wizard kicker one red and or one green it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it for each time it was kicked it is a base two two when it enters the battlefield gain control of target creature with power less than Vodalian Mindsinger's power for as long as you control Mindsinger. Dan points out that it's really interesting with the new two-mana Lord that you were highlighting. So first of all, the Lord makes it three power, so it can take a more powerful creature. Um, and the it gives it the ability to protect it, right? Because your Merfolk uh, now tap to counter the removal spells that in theory would kill your uh, your Mindsinger. So I think that's that's kind of a cool little interaction. I think my biggest problem with these, so I don't think this will see play in modern. No, I don't think so. If Pioneer Wizard, if if Pioneer Murfolk exists, this will be a four. Exactly, that's that was going to be my point. This is also a wizard for some reason. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So let's just play this in the wizard's deck. Why, why go with Murfolks? A little Nabon plus this guy? Yes, oh. So wait, Nabon, Nabon also also doubles the uh, plus one plus one counters, right? Um, let me Because that's a, that's a trigger? Yes. No. I think will it? Yeah, because no, it it's a, a when it, it doesn't get with. Oh, oh exactly. With. Oh, okay. It doesn't get. But still, them. if you if you pay five mana for this, you can get two, two three power creatures. Yes, and that's pretty big. Yeah, it's just gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact it doesn't steal him permanently is what destroys it for me. Yeah, I mean we've had a lot of these effects before. There's a four mana fairy, right? A two two flying uh, fairy that takes a creature that doesn't see any play in modern because it dies to a stiff breeze. Um, if you have sack effects, then taking the creature temporarily, you know, is a lot more attractive. But then why are you playing a Merfolk Wizard double blue in your sacrifice deck? Well, well said. And that gets us tough. So going into the four drops, we have Astor yes. Better of Lates, two a white and a red for a four four human warrior. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top 7 cards of your library, that's really deep, for an equipment or vehicle card and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom, shuffle, 
So no, no, sorry, put the rest at the bottom in a random order, shuffle them, I meant. Equipments you control have equip one, and vehicles you control have crew one. So uh, slam dunk for both Hammer Time and Plowdex in Pioneer. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dan says probably better than Nahiri Era of Errands. This seems way better to me. This draws a card immediately. It can crew even in response to removal, so you get to crew with this guy. Um, the turn you play it, if you're crewing up the plow and they choose to kill this instead, then the plow gives you three of the mana back, so this costs one effectively. Uh, yeah, this, this card just seems great to me. I've lost to Hammer Time a few times. It's not as far away as you'd think in Pioneer. Um, so I could, I could imagine that being a thing. Uh, the plow deck is maybe a little more attractive because they get to play a lot more equipment. So the draw ability on this is a little more likely to hit. It, it's, it's almost like a four mana four, four that draws a card in that shell. The hammer time deck is only playing like six or seven actual cards this could hit. So I think both decks want this card. I think a four mana four, four is not great, but you know, it's not like super, it's not like a hauntingly poor card. Yeah. I, I think this card's going to see a bunch of play. And I think people that have been experimenting with Hammer Time, because I've seen them in the queues, are going to be playing three or four of these guys for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. This, like, looking at seven makes it so... You don't even have to go that deep in how many copies are playing of everything. Like You don't need, like, a critical amount. Seven is so deep that you're not bound to fail. Yeah. And with the next four drop, another two color, double color, four mana legendary creature. Also, of course, Astor is legendary. Nael Abisoa Aranode. Yeah, so this card, I don't I don't know if this is playable, but I just want to point out how insane this card is. So it's two green and a blue for a 2-4 flying elf scout. Why is it legendary? It can't even be a commander because you don't get to use the cool part of its ability, but fine. Domain. So whenever it does combat damage to a player, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Alright, fair enough. But and then you can put one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom. But if you have five basic land types, you get to draw. So if this hits and you have all five types, this is scry five draw, which is like, I don't know, a two and a half mana effect every time it hits you. It's a bit worse than scry five because you don't get to keep more than one on top. Sure, but whatever. Let's yeah, yeah. let's say we're looking for Niv-Mizzet or Enigmatic Incarnation or really whatever. Deep. Yeah, it digs really deep and then puts it in your hand. <laughs> um... So yeah, if you imagine where you like play Sylvan Caryatid, you play this on three, and then maybe you play the two mana green enchantment that makes your land all types and then hit with this. That's like not a crazy start to a game. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like you, you could do it. You could you could grow spiral into this turn three and then like whatever, play a, a triome to complete the 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 quintet. And a two four and a two four is actually quite a decent body. Yeah. I don't know. If you do that in a deck where you're trying to find Nivmizit and then or or bring to light and then you just find it, like it just seems crazy to me. I don't know if this is worth it. Like again, it's it's fragile. Nivmizit has lots of strengths, including all of its ability to wrath, but that that's at least good enough to think about doing. If you got to do this, play this on turn three and your opponent doesn't kill it, like <laughs> the game probably ends if it if it hits. Alright, just want to highlight this next card real quick. Shieldred's Restoration, three and a black sorcery, kicker, two and a white. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. If the spell was kicked, you gain life equal to that card's mana value. So for seven mana, you get a crazy resurrection. Otherwise, you lose that much life. And then you exile this uh, sorcery as it resolves. So this is the first non-conditional four-mana sorcery resurrection spell in Pioneer. Uh, whether it's good enough, I mean, the drawback is very real. You can make, now you can make an Esper deck that's mostly control and is just trying to get a Dream Trawler in play on turn four. 
that helps mitigate the life loss. It was unbeatable against Red Black. If they start adopting Liliana, then <laughs> your Dream Prowler plan is terrible. But I just wanted to highlight that this is the first time this effect has existed. So is it going to be good enough? Is Dream Trawler even that good in a world where I don't know how good Liliana is going to be? I suspect it's going to be very good. I actually think Red Black is going to play like three of them maybe. So maybe your whole plan is off. But I just, I just wanted to highlight this is the first four mana. Just straight up, no, nothing fancy. Don't need anything else in play. Yeah. Uh, and that lets you play Instant Speed Discard, which lets you get around most of the hate, right? The Graveyard Trespasser and stuff like that is not good against um, Works three mana. Works perfectly end of, end with Dated Indulgence. Yeah, exactly. All right, on to my favorite four drop of the entire really? set. I thought it was going to be the, the other one. Really? Yeah, so let's go into Ertai. Tell us about it. Ertai resurrected. Two, a blue and a black. Legendary creature, of course. Phyrexian, human wizard. Flash. When it enters the battlefield, choose up to one, so you don't have to do either. Counter target spell or activated ability or triggered ability, its controller draws a card. Or destroy another target creature or planeswalker, its controller draws a card. 3-2. This card seems really good to me. If you imagine Venser, you play a Venser and you bounce a spell from your opponent on the stack. That's like your opponent drew a card. It, they functionally drew the card that you just countered, right? This does that, and they draw a random card, a card that might be much worse uh, than the card you just countered, right? If, it's, if the card you countered is a linchpin. Same thing with Venser, like, bouncing a permanent. This actually kills it, and it, so instead of them drawing the card that was in play... And not to mention, this also stops activated abilities and triggered abilities, which could be very useful depending on whatever. It also can target your own things. Like, you can destroy your own creature that's going to die, right? If you decide to, to draw a card, you can counter your own bad activated or triggered ability to draw a card. If you have uh, Narset or Notion Thief in play, then it's like an insane Venser where your opponent isn't drawing or you're getting to draw the card. So I, the only advantage I see of Venser, which is likely why it's better in Modern specifically, it's bouncing lands. In Venser is huge. Right. And lands matter a lot more because you have Valaka and you have Tron. Yeah, and you have Caruso. So I think that's why it would replace. But I'm really excited for this card in Pioneer, for example. In Magic Incarnation can really use a way to get rid of four and five mana permanent, like Planeswalkers they couldn't deal with efficiently before, or stuff like that. So I'm really in, I, I really actually like this card. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this card does fit well in Enigmatic Incarnation, and I think you guys outlined why the uh, White Domain Exile spell, I, I think it really only has one home in Pioneer, which is the yeah. uh, Enigmatic Incarnation. So I think that... Uh, shell is going to be really cool. But I think this is almost a card you can build around. You can build like a blue-black tempo-ish list where this is just your, like, one card answers everything. You know, you can play it with, like, a more controlling shell. You can play it with, like, a Narset Notion Thief shell and just a ton of removal. It, it can kind of do anything and everything if, if you wanted to. You can play it in, like, a, a Salt Eye shell where you are playing, like, Grow Spiral and... um uh, Lotus Field, and then this can actually counter your Lotus Field trigger, like in the mid to late game, is like a crazy mana ramp. Like this, this can just do everything. Yeah, yeah, this card is really interesting. I just want to play the Monic Pact and counter the last trigger with it, so I also can just draw a card. The Monic Pact. Oh yeah, that's insane! You can oh, you can play it with the uh, new Sulkinar. Yes! By the way, classic. You did call me out <laughs> that I do love that card. <laughs> yeah. It's go time. I just reminds me of my youth 95 years ago, as you say. Yeah. 
So if you can use that on a trigger of your own, it's amazing. But people think giving your opponent a card for some reason is it's it's worse for for you than bouncing the spell back to their hand, which generally it isn't. Yeah, if you're countering the right spell or killing the right creature, right? You you kill a five drop uh, from mono green, and your opponent gets to draw a card. And like, yeah, it sucks. It'd be nice if they didn't get to draw a card, but. The ran a random card for mono green is worse than the average five mana card. Anytime you trade this for a five or six mana spell, it's so but insane. Even then, it's if you so trade for good. a three drop or four drop, I'm ninety nine percent sure in every deck in every format, a three drop slash four drop is better quality and tempo than whatever than the statistical draws that deck. Yeah. Like even if I don't know something like even going for like Lily of the Bale or I don't know a four drop something like what's a good four drop in um, Esigas Chariot countering an Esigas Chariot with this and leaving a three two it's a lot better than bouncing an Esigas Chariot. Yeah, and then this is like co cost to move like three power is not nothing. It just kills Karn right. They play Karn with no blocker. You flash it and kill their elf. Kill killer blocker attack and attack. kill Karn. Exactly. Yeah. And you can even or counter the minus two. The opponent has no no board. Play a Karn. You go. Play, you play these. Like yeah, I, it, it, yeah. Th this card is really good. I think it, it has a lot more applications than people are I aware agree. of. Sulkinar, let's go, Sulkinar! Come on, <laughs> all the abilities. And to the last four drop, the Elder Dragon War. Yes. Read ahead, four man enchantment saga, two and double red. First step, it is two damage to each creature and each opponent, which is actually a good board wipe effect when it's the first part of your deck of your card. Second step, discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. So it's like big so so far this is like big pattern of big favor of the mirror breaker. And finally, third step, you create a 4-4 dragon token with flying. So what David talked me into, which I actually really like, is how easily you can line up these read ahead sagas with brought back. So something here pretty specific. So rem remind people what brought back is double white, so two mana instant. Ring, you may return two permanents that leave the battlefield this turn from your, to the battlefield. So let's say I play the Elder Dragon War on step two, on turn four, and I just discard two cards. Then on turn five, um, it will make a 4-4 and sacrifice itself, and then I play any creature that sacrifices itself, or I actually get another way to sacrifice something. With Protback, I can get back the Elder Dragon War, and I can immediately make another 4-4 if that's what I desire, or actually go through all the steps. I think this is a pretty cool card, and the Broadback Synergy alongside other sagas, like even Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which is always dying, the, th the Choo Choo never survives. It's actually something I'm really excited for. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking of is, you know, Mono Red lists have existed with Fires, and then they play the 5-mana uh, 6-5 that lets them, like, discard a number of cards and draw, and it, like, pays 1 in red to give plus 1, plus 0, and haste to all their creatures. Do you know this card? No. Uh, of course, I don't know it either. <laughs> it doesn't ring a specific bell. But in, in Fire's lists, it, um, it's very common to see it as a finisher. The, the uh, Cavalier, oh, Cavalier Flame. Flame. Red Cavalier. So there's a lot of shells. I know like Aspiring Spike played some. People have tried it out. This was a big deal in Standard. They were playing like Fire's with Cavalier, right? So the turn you play Cavalier, you've all this mana up. It gives... Plus one, plus one to all your creatures. It's really good with Fable. Oh, yeah. Because Fable helps you find fires on turn four, and then you play this. And then Fable also gives you two creatures that this pumps. And then if this gives haste to the um, the Kiki-Jiki half, right? So then the Kiki-Jiki half can activate. Okay. Yes. 
This card also seems to slot in that kind of list. The turn you play fires, you were lacking good fours. This is a four drop that helps you find your cavalier for the next turn. Because you discard the cards in your hands that either aren't your fifth land or aren't cavalier. And then on the following turn, it makes a 4-4 that the Cavalier gives haste to. So I think that that's kind of like a nice sweet spot. Like I was playing a list that I really liked that was playing the, the shell I just described plus Riel because it benefited from the discard from a bunch of the effects, including the uh, Cavalier and the um, Fable. This is another card that like you could feasibly play Riel and this on the same turn if you had a Fires of Invention in play and just draw. You just discard your hand and then double your hand size. So yeah, I, I think it has applications there. I love it with Broughtback. Uh, a four mana card that can be a sweeper but never needs to be, right? Against decks where it doesn't matter. And if, you know, if, you're, if, if your opponent's at two, it's a great card. So again, I just think this read-ahead mechanic, we, we don't understand how powerful it is. The fact that you can kind of do whatever you want. Like, the sweeper doesn't really matter, and when it doesn't matter, you never use it. It's just a card that selects and then is a dragon. Yeah, and when you need a fast dragon, you, this is a 4-mana four 4 for dragon with flying, which isn't amazing, but it's not so subpar in yeah. the versatility it provides. All right, excited to muck around with that one, I think. Yes. All right, another card I think that is calling out to Brewers. This is Timeless Lotus. We're in the five drops now. Five mana artifact, legendary artifact. It's got to be a legend. Enters the battlefield tapped. Taps for Wooburg. Taps for all five colors. Super cool card. So if you play this on five and player six land, you untap with 11 mana. Or if you just untap with it, period, you untap with 10. Yeah, this is... So I saw this and immediately I thought of World Tree Combo, right? I'm, I cannot be the only one. I mean, I didn't think of World Tree Combo because I don't give a shit about World Tree Combo. How can you not give a shit about World Tree Combo? World Tree Combo is insane. I gotta put all these crappy cards in my deck. What happens when I draw them? Oh, I guess you're playing your Iron, so you, don't, you never it's see them. It's five cards. It's not that much. It's a few more than five. It's five to actually execute the kill. We have to make sure that enough are in your deck, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I actually... No, no, it's like... I think it's four Purphoros... And one and another one. It's five gods, four Purphoros plus one. It's not that much. Alright, so I mean maybe it's a return of that. I think it's just great with Teferi oh, yeah. who slows the sunset. So the turn you play this, even if you don't I mean the the dr not draw, right, is turn two Sylvan carry added, turn three Teferi, untap carry added plus a land, you leave up counterspell. Next turn, play Timeless Lotus, untap Lotus, land. Sylvan carry added. You have seven mana that turn. Yeah. To do whatever you want. Take an extra turn and make two birds, uh, you know, cast whatever <laughs> I'll say seven drop turn. you like. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, this card is awesome. Uh, it is legendary, but I, I think that there's, there's going to be lots of cool decks that if you're going to try to go over the top of people, this is the kind of way to do it. Okay. Again, it can never be broken in Pioneer because your opponent can just play a turn three Karn. <laughs> And uh, then this might as well stay tapped. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> You're going to play Sakarni to this, I'm going to cry. But without the combo, I think you need a combo for it. Just make 10 mana. Or make you 10 mana and win somehow. Yeah. The fact, Cast, it's annoying. It's whatever. like double Wooburg, though. Like, you don't have access to triple green. And that's something to take into consideration. Well, doesn't the World Tree fixes your lands if you have six mana? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, like, specifically, like, if you're trying to just use the mana for something degenerate, make sure it's, like, oh, correctly split. And with that being said about the beautiful Lotus, let's go to the last card of the sets, for, at least so far, because there's a few that have not been completely confirmed, but we might talk about them on Monday. Which is a dragon I think you're really into. 
Wraith Liberated Primeval. Yeah, so I love the original riff, Wraith, from back in the day. Uh, so this is a little cheaper. So this is two, a red, a green, and a white. Wraith is a Naya dragon. For a 5-5 five, five flying, Ward 2. Love the introduction of Ward, by the way, to all these cards. Ward is like the fixed hexproof in the same way that Sagas are fixed planeswalkers. It doesn't shut off all interaction. It allows your opponent to still do stuff, which is they have to pay more. That You never get the feel bad where they just get to, like, you know, source the plowshares they're with. They pay, like, four mana to kill your five drop. That seems fair, right? So the text is the key here, though. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature or planeswalker an opponent controlled was dealt excess damage this turn, create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. So in the best case scenario, you get to play this on turn 5 or 4, I guess, if you're very lucky. And then you get to make another 4-4, and both this and that 4-4 have Ward 2. If you get that trigger, this is by far the best 5-mana. I love that they gave this card to Kibler, the Kibler Dragon Master Kibler, because this is the card that actually got him into being Kibler as we know him, like Wraith itself, and he got the spoiler. Yeah, well... <laughs> You know, he's he's uh, on point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you have any way to trigger this, like, I just imagine the dream of turn four Chandra, turn of Defiance, you turn five Wraith and minus four on something. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a way to do it. You can play the uh, three mana Domri that fights, so Domri can accelerate into Wraith if need be, or if you just play, um, you know, you already have your fifth mana, then you just play Wraith, fight with your Domri. Right there, you'll, you'll get to go uh, do it at the end of turn. The other thing is, you don't have to play this before the trigger happens. So you attack your opponent's Kiora with a, uh, you know, whatever, a 4-4, four four, and they block <laughs> oh. with a 1-1 one one or something. I'm making that up. Yeah. Uh, then your your opponent's incentivized sometimes to trade off or chump block or whatever. And then, I mean, they don't know you have a Rith in your hand. They don't know you have a Rith in your deck. And then after that happens, you just play your Rith. And, and your, uh, your opponent's like, oh, that attack that didn't make sense uh, now does because I get... So Yeah, I didn't realize nope. the card didn't have to be on board, and that makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, because especially in the late game, right, you have six mana up or something. Like, what does your opponent do? Like, oh, I, I'm going to play around them playing Rift? <laughs> no, that's not bound to. It's, I mean, yeah, so they, you know, they, they're probably going to chump block to save their... Uh, for instance, we're just imagining a scenario against blue-white. They have their um, the four-mana flash Planeswalker in play with a 2-2 Samurai, and you, you attack it with a four-power creature. Of course they're going to chump block. I mean, that's, that's just the right play. And then if Rith resolves, you just made another dragon, and they're both resistant to removal, right? So, Yeah. So I, the only way they are going to play about, around this if it it's become so common that be, that you just expect people to play <laughs> right. around. Like, you're, it's the fourth time in the, in the week your opponent attacking with a 3-3 against your 2-2, and you're like, they have a Rith. They're going to get a 4-4. Four, four. I shouldn't block. I should let Wandering Emperor die. Also be very conscious of this. If you have, like, Trample, you need to... Assign an extra damage to the a creature. If you have a three cr power creature, you're attacking into two two twos. Make sure you assign all three to the two two, etc. Um, because like you could imagine, for instance, attacking your um your chariot into two two twos, and you your opponent's like, well, that's not a crazy attack because they got to make a two two cat, and then we're trading, you know, our two twos for that and then they just kill one two two and play rift like that that's a play that i could imagine happening all the time yeah and of course chariot works well with this because copying those dragons <laughs> uh is very intriguing right so i just see a lot a lot of stuff happening here this just seems super sweet to me um every every time it works like you you just win the mid-range matchup red black loses if you if you make a second dragon that game is over you just extend your right hand uh the problem is i don't think this can be your main plan because it's so bad against 
uh, Lotus. It's bad against uh, blue-white control, blue-black control, right? Those, those, they don't have any permanents in play. Even if you have all kinds of kill spells in your hand, you don't get anything. So, And a 5-mana 5-5 five five flying is just not that good anymore I mean, somehow. 5-mana 5-5 five five flying with War 2 is not irrelevant. It's not bad. Again, it's not, it's not yeah, horrific. But if you but... can get the 4-4 four four at least once, it goes from meh to kind of amazing. So yeah, even if you do it like, let's just imagine you play this on turn four against mono green, right? They're going to ramp ahead of you, but you have a ton of a chance after that to like kill their elf or whatever, like with a stomp. And now you get a 4-4. Like you're going to start gaining this free 4-4 every turn and that's going to really start to add up. Yeah. All right. So that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Sounds uh, I, I, we covered a lot of cards here. <laughs> we went through a lot of cards. Likely all the remaining cards, unless three or four like final spoilers shocks us by Monday. And if they do, we're going to talk about them and you're going to hear everything that's happening for Dominaria United. Yeah, so for people who maybe aren't used to what happens here, we'll normally do like a, a quick wrap-up where we kind of share cards we're excited to brew around or we'll argue about cards we think we'll see play. Um, obviously, I think the brew around discussion is a little more interesting because that's kind of what we do here. And then we are going to start brewing with these cards. I think they are available in the second weekend of September, the weekend after Labor Day for Americans. Yeah, there's a lot of cool cards, a lot of exciting cards. Also releases um, we'll... really soon. I think it releases on MTGO in like six, seven days. Oh, really? Okay, so before Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like for, I think it's on first or second of September. It's released on MTGO and other in. Oh, maybe they want them out for the long Labor Day weekend. Would make sense. And everybody, if yes. you hear kitten sounds during the recording, it's because my cat gave birth to four tiny kittens that are in a tiny box right by my side, so I can make sure nothing. <laughs> they happens are super to them. cute. They're super cute and tiny. So yeah. Thanks so much, David, for showing me today. I have no idea what we're preparing for Monday. Likely, we're getting the top 10 plus the stovers and our first brew session. And I hope everybody's going to shine us. All right. Take care, buddy. Take care, David. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Peace. If you enjoyed today's episode, remember to tune in on Monday as our faithless brewers look at the few cards that alluded to today's spoilers, a few sagas and a few amazing cards have been found, and maybe these are the keys for our following brews. Please also remember if you enjoyed, you can support us via Patreon, which will grant you immediate access to our Discord with our faithless brewers and an army of mind-like players. Finally, I hope you have enjoyed the show and have a nice time. See you on Monday.